Hello, and welcome to the Feminine Profiles podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Baldwin. My intention for this show is to create a space for open conversations with women from all backgrounds, to shed light on stories of entrepreneurship, creativity, human potential, and self-expression. Join me here every week for another dose of inspiration and a new feminine profile. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm in conversation with Sam Hirschman-Bosky. When I reached out to listeners and on Instagram asking for guest recommendations, she came highly recommended and she was someone I already followed along with. And then just once I took a deeper dive, I was instantly attracted to her positivity, to her career journey, to her journey now as a new mom. And so I was so excited to reach out, and I absolutely loved the conversation that we had together. It kind of breaks down into two parts. The first half, we talk through her career journey. It resonated a lot with my career trajectory and feeling burnout. She talks a lot about the physical burnout that she was feeling and just the emotions faced as she knew that she had to leave her um, corporate job. From there, she went to acting school, and we talk a lot about the tools, the wisdom, everything she's learned along the way since then. And the second half of the conversation is really a deep dive into her pregnancy journey, which is something that she shared a lot about with her audience because it was a harder pregnancy for her and she was dealing with severe morning sickness. And so We just touched on that, how she got through it, what it taught her in the midst of that pregnancy, and then um, postpartum and tips for postpartum and how she's handling this next stage of life and how career fits in with that next stage of life and creativity as a mom. So yeah, I love this topic because I resonate with so many aspects of it and learned so much from her. So I'm excited for you to listen. And I'm also doing my first giveaway that I've ever done, and it sounds like it works for other people, so I wanted to give it a try. I'm not sharing it to Instagram because I really want it to just be for those who listen to the podcast and who have been engaged with the podcast. So this giveaway will run through the end of the month, and I'll be choosing three winners to win a $250 gift card to the website or brand of your choosing. I wanted to make it relevant to everyone. I think sometimes I see giveaways and I don't resonate with whatever products or brands are chosen and so really wanted it to resonate with anyone who um, may win this giveaway. So to enter, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, subscribe to the podcast, and then share any episode to your Instagram stories and tag me. And then at the end of the month, I will choose three people. So that's all on that. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Sam. And I will be back next week with another feminine profile. Sam, thank you so much for making time for this conversation in your busy new mom schedule and in between nap times. So very appreciative. (laughs) I would love to touch on so many things from motherhood to your pregnancy to your background, but maybe just starting because so much of this podcast has been about making people feel empowered to make career transitions. And I loved Mm -hmm. 
your story and we have so much crossover being in a more kind of rigid finance background and then something switching in our 20s where it wasn't feeling right, a lot of burnout. I had a lot of physical burnout as well. So I would love if we could just start there and if you could touch on what that felt like when you made the career switch and started, um, you went to acting school and just a little bit about that stage of life. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, uh, it was funny. I was listening to your solo podcast and I was like, oh my God. Cause I think it was, it was like a year and a half in for you as well when you started feeling. And that was really similar to me. I, you know, I went to USC, played volleyball there. So I've always been someone who's had a super rigid schedule since probably I was like nine years old because of my competitive volleyball career. And so when I got out of college, I really actually did want to do something creative, but I felt, I felt so far behind. And I think when you haven't been doing something creative it feels a little intimidating to start that out of college if you haven't been already exploring what you're passionate about. So working in finance felt very safe to me. I was like, listen, I'm a team player. I know how to get up early, be the first one in, last one out. It felt like a locker room. I was like, this is sort of already my bread and butter besides actually finance, (laughs) you know, like That was never something that really lit me up. But I was like, I know I can do this. And how I got the job was like very kismet. I was at a USC booster event as I was a team, a co-captain at USC. So I got the job because I was an athlete. So it was just like a shoe in. And at first I was really excited about it because, and I loved my team I loved going into like a big like trading floor in New York City. It was sort of just like a movie. And then very soon, I would say four months into the job, I lost my period, which I had never really had any sort of menstrual cycle issues. And I was like, oh, that's weird. You know, maybe once I passed my series seven, which was this exam that I had to take when I worked at Bank of America. Like maybe once I take it and I pass, it'll come back. And while I took the test, I passed it and my period never came back. And then I started having really bad digestive issues, which I had never also ever had, where I felt like everything that I ate, my stomach was hurting. I was really bloated. Then I started getting like acne all over my face, which again, I mean, I had always, you know, had hormonal breakouts, but nothing to like a degree of where it felt uncontrollable. Then it was when I started getting like these like kind of panic attacks. Like I was like, oh my God, I can't breathe. And so quitting never really crossed my mind because quitting for me felt like, like loser mentality. Like you can't quit. You just got this great job. It pays well. You're living in New York City, which is one of the most expensive cities. And I kind of felt cool as a woman working in finance. Like it felt very like empowering, but my body was like already from like the beginning telling me no. And so I decided to take an acting class on the weekend because I was like, maybe I just have to do something creative outside of work to sort of balance myself out. Yeah. And when I took this acting class, I was like, Oh my gosh, these are my people. This is the most fun thing ever. 
but never still in a million years did I ever think that I would leave my job to go to acting school. Like, are you crazy? And then a lot of things kind of like all played in at the same time. My mom got diagnosed with cancer. So when I found that out, it was sort of like this YOLO, oh my gosh, life is so short. I did, we didn't know if it had how severe it was. Thankfully, she was able to get rid of it. But still, it's sort of this jarring life moment of, oh my gosh, life is so short. And the thought, and you said this in your podcast too, Brooke, it was like the thought of being there forever was so suffocating and daunting to me. I was like, I can't do like. If I'm mm -hmm. already this unhappy and having to take an acting class on the weekends just to see if my panic attacks subside, like this is so bad. And I'm like 23 or 24, however old you are when you're out of college. So I basically had to get to a point where my like anxiety was so bad. My health was so bad. They thought I had pituitary tumors. I was like flying back to L.A., to go to UCLA, like a UCLA doctor to see if I had pituitary tumors, that finally I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. And it's only been a year and a half and my body is already screaming that this isn't for you. Yeah. So that was, I feel like that's kind of the, the how I got out of finance was just, it was a lot of physical ailments that my body was screaming at me, like, you can't take your time with this which now I'm so grateful for. But at the time, it was awful. Also, I think you had such a curiosity for self-growth and self-exploration and finding out um, what really lit you up. Like, I feel like you've always had that curiosity within you since you were younger. Did that kind of rear its head at that same time where you were kind of were like, I feel like I'm there's two paths ahead. Which which one do I choose? Yeah, I've always been a very curious person with a lot of passions. You know, the joke with my family and friends is I could like get passionate about like a, a pen. Like I, I find something and I get very excited. So I'm not, I'm not really one to stay in something if it's not feeling good for too long because I just have always believed, you know, that you're supposed to feel good in life. And I was always like, you know, at USC, I got like the spirit award on the volleyball team. Like I've always been, you know, the motivational one, inspirational quotes. Like when I was in high school, I had inspirational quotes all over my mirror all the time. So when this was happening, you know, to me or for me, however you want to put it, is when I was at Bank of America and in finance, it was sort of like, are you going to, do you have the guts to actually walk your talk? Like you've always been someone who is inspiring and motivational and can usually see the light at the end of the tunnel. Or are you going to, are you going to make a change or are you going to stay in this job for fear and just to kind of like play into societal roles? Because again, it was such a good job and I was so grateful to have that job and I had a great team like on paper. I should have never really left, but I just think that that curiosity I've always had my whole entire life is what really gave me the courage to know and to trust that there was, there was something better and that I had to trust. I had to trust the universe that I was going to be taken care of. I didn't know what it was going to look like or how it was all going to play out. 
but at that for at that time it was I needed to go to acting school because this was something that I always dreamed of doing since I was a little girl and I never did it because I was an athlete and I did the whole athlete thing because that was really good on paper and you know it got me into college and being an athlete paved a very awesome path for me but it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do um but you know all my friends did it it was again it got me into college so this was a time where I was like, no, I'm not going to settle again. And I'm going to go to acting school and see where this takes me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like at this time too, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you had already met your partner. And I'm curious if that kind of gave you some safety as well to make a next step. Well, so I, I actually didn't meet Eli until I went to acting school. I didn't have that. And to be honest, my parents, especially my dad, thought I was totally... It, I think my mom was excited for me. So having my mom's support was really helpful. You know, I think she was a little nervous for me, but she was excited. And I think my dad, he knows that whatever I put my mind to, I'll be like, he knows that I have a really good work ethic. So, but I think at the same time, he was so excited for me and and my career at the time that I think he was a little bit bummed, like, oh, man, you you have the golden ticket. Why are you now going to go to acting school? I, I didn't meet Eli, so I didn't really have that, I guess, support from a partner. But however, I did when I met Eli in acting school, I have to say that having his support in our second year of acting school, which is when we really started dating. And then after acting school, which is such a scary time because it's like you kind of get let out into the world and is you is or is you ain't when you kind of like go out as an entrepreneur to see if, you know, you can do it. Having him for that time was really helpful. Like, I don't know how I would have been able to kind of go out into the world after making that big of a change, how that would have felt. It was definitely really helpful to have his support after that. Yeah. From then to now, you being a new mother, um, bring me home, leaving acting school and yeah, going out on your own. And then now, I think she's three months today. So yes. what has what did that next journey look like for you? Well, do we have an hour? <laughs> because I feel like that from the time that I left acting school until now, it's been such a wow. I feel that I've I've tried a lot of different hats because again, I've always had an identity like, you know, volleyball player or, you know, the finance job. And then I was in acting school, so I was a student. And then after it was this like abyss of whoa, as an entrepreneur, when you, and especially as an actor, it's such an unknown field to enter because you don't know if you're going to get an audition. And then if you get an audition, you don't know if you're going to book it. So you have to start thinking of other things to be doing. So what I have found in these past however many years it has been since I graduated from acting school, is what lights me up is inspiring and motivating people and encouraging people to feel their most authentic selves and to feel really comfortable in their skin because that is something I personally learned from being in acting school. And when I was in acting school and learned that 
wow, being myself and being the the most authentic version of myself and all its weirdness and loudness feels so good. And it actually healed like all my ailments <laughs> that when I got out, I just knew that whatever I put my hands in, that needed to be the through line is okay. So I, I go to breath. I just, you know, did the breath work, David Elliott's breath work training, because I was like, wow, okay, this can really make a difference for people of feeling good in their bodies and feeling connected. And then, oh, I'm going to put dancing videos on Instagram and like dance like a freak <laughs> because I'll fall on the sword of looking weird. So other people feel happy and feel safe to be whoever they want, even if they look weird. Okay, now I'm going to write a children's book about shining your light and never dimming it no matter what people think about you. So I feel since then, whatever I put my attention on, the through line always has to be some sort of inspiration or motivating of others and encouraging people to feel comfortable in their skin. In all of those kind of expressions or ways you wanted to offer motivation to community, any, any audience, did you feel, who am I to do this at any point? Like, did you oh. face imposter syndrome? I think, Oh, uh, I mean, I hate the word imposter syndrome because everyone uses it, but it is so such real. a thing. So, <laughs> No, it's so real. I, oh my gosh, I had to, I really, really had that um, because I was probably already feeling that way because of what, happened to me or for me at Bank of America, especially with my health and just that big drastic change and then going to acting school and learning all of these amazing gems and seeing it in real time of how it was healing me. I felt like I was sitting on all of this awesome goodness, but I totally 1000% had imposter syndrome of who the heck am I? to want to be this person who, or who I think that people would want to hear from me uh, to inspire or motivate them. And it wasn't really until the pandemic happened. And I think the pandemic was huge for a lot of people. I don't know about you, but I felt like we were all going to die. So again, it was this YOLO moment of, oh my gosh, the world is ending. I don't know if I'm going to live if I died, I would be pretty bummed that I was so afraid of expressing myself and fully showing up to myself that actually your other guest, Jess Stone, I had a reading with her in August of 2020. I will never forget it. And she said something so profound to me. She was like, Sam, what I'm seeing is these like two circles, you know, like MasterCard, how there's like, I feel like mm -hmm. there's a, a fancy name for it, but she's like, you have two circles. One is that you're extremely spiritual and sensitive to energy and you want to inspire and motivate and heal others in this, this other circle, you know you're so human and you love, you know, fashion and travel and all kind of like the more materialistic, but not in a vain way, materialistic, but you know, just like life things. And she said, but right now you have them so separate. You have, you know, your breathwork community and your acting community that you keep totally separate from like the rest of the world. And you will not feel joy until you start bridging them together. And 
I'm someone I think it's because I like being coached because I was an athlete my whole life. So when Jess said that to me, I was like, okay, like I'm up to take the challenge. And so I had started sharing on Instagram. I called them like my quarantine notes. And now looking back at them, they're like so cheesy, but I was like sharing like my journal entries. I had like zero fault, like only like, you know, my friends and family really followed me on Instagram. But when I started doing that, I feel that I was shocked by the response of people. Like it was definitely, I think, jarring for people like, oh, wow, Sam's like sharing her like emotional thoughts. So I think there were some people who were like, oh, what's Sam doing? But for me, it was this like exercising of showing people that maybe only saw me as an athlete or, you know, the finance girl or whatever, however they knew me as having a little bit more depth. And then when I realized that it was actually the response of, wow, that's awesome. And I feel that way too, was so much bigger and it made me feel good that then I just slowly started taking more steps in expressing myself. And I was just totally shocked by the response. And then it made me realize like, wow, fear totally holds you back and you create these stories that, you know, (laughs) you're going to be crucified if you really show up as your authentic self or who am I to say this stuff where it's like, who are you to say this stuff? Everyone wants to hear from someone and it ultimately inspires other people to show up the same way in life. So yeah, I did totally have imposter syndrome (laughs) that I had to work through. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I love Jess. That's such a beautiful way to put it because I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. might feel that same way. And and how do you keep that same like conviction to bridge all parts of yourself and keep that centeredness in the way you express yourself and like start relationships and, you know, put yourself out to people? How do you keep conviction and you know always showing up that way is it just seeing how fruitful it was for you when you did it or are there practices that you incorporate into your life that help you keep that inner confidence that's a really good that's a good question Brooke I definitely think that doing that it built a muscle in me of like wow you didn't get exiled or you didn't get crucified and you didn't get shunned out quite the opposite happened. So I think that was living proof to me that when you do express yourself authentically, because like that was authentic to me, I wasn't trying to be anything else. It was, it's who I was like yearning to be inside of myself. I think of it as this light that was trapped. Like I was always holding it in and I was so afraid to let it shine and then once I finally let it out, it, it felt so good that it's hard to go back after that. Like, it's mm-hmm. hard to then try to put it back, you know, cage it back in. I definitely, you know, frequently have to give myself like pep talks like, okay, you're living a little bit in fear. Like, how can you be a little bit more confident? Or, you know, there's like, I have to refine the muscle every once in a while. So I wouldn't say 24-7, I have that conviction. But ultimately, I just always double down on, okay, if by me expressing myself and and being fully myself inspires just one person to be them and to feel safe being them, then it's worth everything. So I just always kind of tap into that mentality of, 
of when you do shine your light, as cheesy as that sounds, it really does inspire others to do the same. Yeah. Yeah. Fear's frustrating. It's like mowing a lawn. It's like if you ignore it for oh. a week or a month, you just have these weeds that won't go away. And you're like, oh, I I thought I was doing everything. And it's, it's crazy. Totally. You have to not just even like a daily meditation. It's like a, a monthly deep excavation of, okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yes. And would love to transition to not just motherhood now, but your pregnancy. Cause I think so many people were touched by how vulnerable you were during your pregnancy. I know everyone's journey is very different and you were going through it. So I would love to yeah. hear what that felt like, not even the way that you shared it, but just like, you know, as you were going through it, how it felt in the moment and then kind of what you've processed since then. Oh, it was, I would have to say that was, for those of you who are listening who don't know, I had this condition called hyperemesis gravidarium, which is, it's like intense nausea and vomiting. It's like severe mo like morning sickness. It, it's very, it's very debilitating. Like you can't do anything. So I would say there was like stages of it. In the beginning, I was really frustrated. And I totally had a pity party of, I think I'm such an, like I was in such a, a groove of like, I love expressing myself. I love showing up on Instagram and doing all this stuff and having my hands and feet in like 10 things. I was doing my book. And then this completely stopped me. And there was definitely in the beginning where I was like, are you being like a wussy? Like, are you like, are you just going to stop everything? I had a lot of guilt of stopping and resting. Like it was this, my physical body was totally shutting down. I was throwing up all the time, getting IVs. I could barely get out of bed, but my mind was making me feel so bad for the halt. And, you know, it was in the very beginning of my pregnancy. So, you know, you're not supposed to tell anyone. And I had, I just, I was getting all these messages of like, is everything okay with Sam? Like what's going on? Because I had to get so quiet. And then I finally, like, I really think it was like a spiritual <laughs> awakening, you know, it was the craziest experience. But then I finally, like a couple months in was like, listen, this is a gift. Like, what is this actually teaching you? Mm. And I've always been someone where even, you know, when I was at Bank of America or any hardships have ever happened to me, I am someone that I feel really deeply, like I feel intensely when it's happening. So I'll get really sad or I'll feel really frustrated. I don't try to kind of, you know, swipe it under the rug but then I'll always be like, okay, what is it? Because I know in my past, all the hardest moments in my life have always taught me something or have catapulted me into something greater. So I really had to look at this downtime of, okay, you've never really rested before. You've always jumped into like one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. So what can you do with this rest? And I really gave myself permission to go off Instagram, which was surprisingly really hard for me. 
because there was this voice of, oh my gosh, are you going to become irrelevant? Like, are people going to forget about you because you're not posting on Instagram? And I had to really double down in the trust of like, no, if you don't take this time off, you're missing a gift. Like you're really missing a gift if you just don't, excuse my French, like shut the fuck up. (laughs) Like just shut up. Don't post on Instagram and just be quiet. Don't try to do stuff with your book. I shut off my books for breath work. I just really went offline. And again, physically, like I couldn't do a lot of those things. But I probably could have posted more on Instagram, but it would have been very inauthentic to me. And I would have been forcing something that just didn't feel aligned. So it was really, really hard. It was not an easy feat. And that's also probably why I didn't want to show up on Instagram anymore, because to share while I'm going through something feels messy for me. I didn't have the words to describe the type of grief I was feeling of, you know, not feeling healthy, not feeling inspiring or inspired, feeling really, really sick. And I just couldn't share at the same time. I would say even like, you know, then you have the, I kind of had this false expectation that once I had the baby, like I would be back. I would be like back on Instagram and sharing and feel like awesome, which I did feel awesome. It was crazy. The moment she came out of me, like I didn't feel nauseous anymore. It was the craziest thing. Like I felt so much better. I was like, oh my God, this is what everyone taught with HG talks about. Like the moment you have the baby, your body, like it was, it was the first time I had felt like myself since February, but then you're in postpartum and you're really tired and you're learning how to be a mom. And it's such a sweet, special time that, and I I was like, so tired. It was like, wow, I was not sleeping at all that now it's, and it's almost been exactly a year since I got pregnant that now I'm just starting to feel like I'm coming back into the world. So I would say my pregnancy and my postpartum were such learning experiences of of re- allowing yourself to rest, trusting that it's okay to stop and you won't become irrelevant. And if you become irrelevant, like that's totally okay. Like you can always go back into the world whenever you want. And really, I I trust that when I come back and as I'm coming back, I'm coming back as like a totally of a different person, which is so cool. And that's what I always had to remind myself is if you can just be quiet and go inwards, you'll come back with more golden nuggets to share than if you try to keep staying the same person because you're not the same person anymore. And I feel like that trust that you showed it reflects how much you evolved from like listening to those messages and those whispers when you were in the work setting and how, you know, it took, right. it might have taken a year then. And then the next test took six months. And now like right. now the whispers, you can listen and trust that voice so much more clearly. I'm coming up against that too. Just things in my life that are presenting that that you know are starting to, you're like, uh oh, this is starting to feel like how that felt years ago. Like, yes, let's, yeah. 
let's pivot more quickly. Let's have conversations more quickly. Let's um, let's adjust to make things come back into balance more quickly. But but yeah, I love that as soon as you kind of got that ping to go quiet and go inward that you listen to it because I think that would that's really hard for some people to feel like they have this thing going for them and they have you know an engaged audience or work is going well or whatever it is for them and then if they disappear like uh will it all go away and throughout your pregnancy did it come in waves the nausea or was it pretty persistent and did you was there anything that worked if someone is going through it is there anything that made it more manageable or was it just allowing yourself to surrender to rest for me it was I had to go on a medication called Bongesta which I'm not someone who's anti you know western medicine I'm always will always take a medication if like I if my body really needs the support but I will like I haven't taken an Advil in God like a decade or plus. Like I don't like to take medicine, and especially like being newly pregnant, taking these like anti nausea medications that have like all these crazy side effects felt so jarring to me. Like and so it wasn't until I really did finally my husband ratted on me to my doctor and was like, "She's not taking her medication" because I was. At that point, I was down 20 pounds. I lost 20 pounds just from throwing up and not being able to eat. I think this was around, I think it could have been at our 12-week scan. And she was like, listen, by you losing weight and throwing up and not being able to eat is more detrimental than not taking the medicine, like just take the medicine. Yeah. And so when I finally surrendered to that, because I really thought that I was going to be able to get rid of the nausea. I was doing all this energy work and I was trying to like, like surrender and meditate on it, but it just wasn't going anywhere. So really kind of giving into taking Bongesa really helped more so with the, the vomiting, but I always had this underlying nausea for my whole, like even when I was on the medication. And it wasn't like it never went away, but how I feel that, and for this is for anyone, if like you have severe nausea or just even, you know, just a little bit was accepting it. I think I tried to fight it again, kind of going back to my, what I was previously saying in the first couple of weeks, like I hated that I was nauseous and I was like trying to like fight through it and muscle through it because I'm used to being able to do that and when I was like, okay, this isn't something that I could push through. And I think that is the gift of pregnancy. And I think so much of like entering motherhood is surrendering. And that's why I think Instagram is sometimes so dangerous, at least for me with, you know, pregnancy and motherhood is, it's very like romanticized on Instagram. So I had always seen, you know, oh my God, these like people in these like very cute outfits, curated outfits when they're pregnant and traveling and looking amazing. And it looks so fun to be pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so when I started having these like hard feelings, like, wait a second, this is awful. I feel horrible. I, I hate, I'm so grateful that I'm pregnant, but I like hate being pregnant. Like this sucks. So surrendering, like really kind of 
going into like your feminine energy of just like total surrender that's how I looked at it like okay this is like your first learning lesson into motherhood is is surrendering and being getting in tap with like your feminine side like don't try to be in your masculine where like you're trying to push through this and make it something that it's not or beat yourself up for not having this like wonderful pregnancy so once I kind of had that mindset shift the nausea felt easier to kind of live with yeah and did postpartum feel so much easier because of that you know fatigue and nausea and vomiting because I know some people postpartum hits them like a brick wall because if they had an easy pregnancy so I'm curious what the transition from one to the other felt like I I would say the first two weeks I look back at my text to people I'm like I feel like superwoman because I felt it was the first time I hadn't felt nauseous and I wasn't medicated. I felt, and I I did a home birth, so I never had any medicine, like, you know, no epidural or no Pitocin. I was back in the comfort of my, I was in the comfort of my home the whole time. So I actually feel that my transition into postpartum was so easy and amazing. Uh, But then the fatigue caught up. And I really wasn't sleeping. And I think that the lack of sleep totally messes with your hormones more than they are already like adjusting post-birth. So then I would have to say then postpartum really started hitting me when the fatigue set in. And I would say postpartum has been, it was just like a different kind of set of struggles because you're, you know, again, you're like, you're getting really initiated into motherhood. Is I think the initiation and my friend says it of building your mommy wings is like it's this kind of like messy middle of you readjusting to this new thing that you love so much. So I wouldn't say postpartum was like effortless. I would be lying if I said that, but mm-hmm. um, the first two weeks definitely I would say were a sweet spot, and then I started getting all the feels of like, oh my god, this is really hard. <laughs> And did you have support in those early weeks, whether it be nighttime support, whether it be parents jumping in here and there, friends bringing food over? What did your support network look like? So uh, that would be my biggest advice is now looking back. I, I totally thought because I had such a hard pregnancy that I was going to rock postpartum. I was like, I got this. I don't need any support or help. I have my mom because my mom is a couple blocks away from me. And I had hired this woman, Alayla, here in LA, who came twice a week to give me these Ayurvedic massages, more as like a healing thing. But as far as I didn't have night support, I didn't have, you know, any other real support. My mom was a huge support, not to say that that wasn't a support because I know a lot of people aren't by their family. But I just really, looking back, I remember my doula, Lori Bregman, saying, like, what is your situation for postpartum? I was like, Lori, I got this. Like, it'll be mm-hmm. totally cool. <laughs> and and then I think that's why a month into, it was like around five weeks, I had like a huge meltdown where I was like, oh, my God, I'm drowning. My poor mom, I'm working her so hard. Like, she was coming over to help do like night shifts. I'm like, 
my poor mom is like falling asleep. <laughs> like I just worked her way too hard. So around five weeks, I reached my, I was talking to my midwife and she was like, Sam, like you need to be sleeping. Brooke, I was not sleeping. I was holding her all night because I didn't want to put her down in the bassinet. So me and my husband were taking like night shifts of like holding her because it was the only way that she would sleep as if she was on your like chest to chest. So I hired um, what's called a sleep doula. I had never heard of them before because I, I just felt really sensitive to hiring a night nurse in the beginning where now I'm like, dude, people who hire, you know, what to each their own. I had like so many judgments, I think, before going into postpartum. Oh, I know. And, you know, it's like, I could do this all on my own. And it's like, no, it's really hard. And that's why they say it takes a village. And especially like when like I can't work my mom. <laughs> like my mom was like throwing in the towel. She's like, I'm dying. <laughs> I already did this with you and your brother. So yeah, so I ended up around five weeks. I hired two sleep doulas only because I found them so late and they had already had other jobs to just come a couple nights a week. And I still have them now. And, you know, they'll either come like one time a week or two times a week, kind of whatever their availability is. But having that support, because I felt I was drowning so much in like the sleep department and- I was having so much anxiety about putting her down and the night times were giving me so much anxiety because I I got too tired to the point of being able to do the swaddle and put her in the bassinet and letting her cry and then picking her up. I was too far gone. So they really helped me create what I even have now as like a little system. She loves her crib now. They And they helped me do that. Like the first, I think, couple of weeks, they just held her at nighttime for me because I said, listen, I'm not trying to get her to be this like amazing sleeper. I just need to be able to put her down so that I don't have to hold her at nighttime all night mm-hmm. long. So they, yeah, that night support was like a huge game changer. And now they're like my mama bears. Like, and I really feel that having support especially as a new mom like I didn't know I didn't read a book I didn't know what I was doing and so having their support to kind of like guide the way or just to you know tell me things that I would have never known while I still get to intimately listen to Carmela's cues and to listen to her like I tried to co-sleep and that just like totally wasn't for her or for me So yeah, having support, I think, would be my biggest advice to, and especially a new mom is like, really take that seriously. Like now I look back, I'm like, what was Lori thinking when I was like, yeah, I got this. (laughs) Like, I'll have my just my mom or something. But I know also having support is a luxury, you know. So it's also just if you have like aunts or uncles or, you know, cousins or like really asking people for help. Like I just didn't ask anyone for help to begin with. Yeah, I know. I, um, my husband only gets, I think five days off work. <laughs> gotta wow. love that. Gotta love that paternity yeah. leave. So, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's true. I felt kind of embarrassed to say that we were getting nighttime support. Mm-hmm. Um, to, you know, this older generation who's like, oh, we did it ourselves, blah, blah, blah. Yes. 
well, I'm going to fall apart. Like I'm someone, some people can get five hours of sleep a night and be good to go. I'm, I don't know if you're into human design, but with my human design as a projector and then also regardless of that, I need a shit ton of sleep. So I'm just trying to prove for what might come. So, so yes, we did finally decide to do nighttime support for the first for the first two months and um I'm hoping that helps <laughs> that no that is I, I'm telling you I feel like that's huge because I really think that my lack of sleep for the first month and even Eli will say like I was maybe getting an hour a night like I was like it was becoming dangerous I was becoming like a danger to everyone that I think that really messed with my hormones been and then I started getting postpartum like anxiety which I didn't even know that was a thing um so but it's just so messed up because the reason why I didn't want night support in the beginning is because I do feel like there's this huge judgment around it and I kind of fell into that judgment around it where I'm like you know what, to each their own, everyone's like, some people can do the whole, the bat, like put the baby down, let them cry. Like I just, I was, I'm such a soft, like I just had to hold her. I was like, I guess I'm just holding her all night because I don't ever want to hear her cry. Um, So whatever anyone has to do. I I remember my friend text telling me, she was like, Sam, motherhood, like never say never. Yeah, because you'll notice in motherhood, like you find whatever works for you and your family. So you can't really have any judgments until you kind of are in it at the moment. Yeah. Part of me is like, uh oh, am I wasting my money because I'm going to want the baby on me all night? <laughs> They're just gonna be- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. The baby will be on you all day long. <laughs> yeah. And now three months in, I'm curious what... I mean, I'm sure every day is different, but how you think about your time now and then also in the vein of career and that's kind of how I like to frame this podcast, not career, but what you do as like your passion in life. How does that now fit within your identity as a new mom and how do you think about your work differently? And now that we're three months in, I'm starting like, you know, the the clouds are parting where I feel that because she's on a little bit of a schedule and I can, you know, put her down for a nap and get on my computer to do some like creative writing or whatever it is. I'm starting to, I feel like that I'm just starting to feel like the tingles of creativity again. And I don't really, you know, I I have my book coming out or it's out, um, but it's, really launching uh, in a couple weeks. Um, So I'm doing a lot of preparing for that, you know, I'm on a virtual book tour and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just starting to feel like the tingles of excitement of being creative again and kind of jumping back into the world because I have this time now. It's like, okay, I know she naps and her wake windows are this time and I can kind of schedule when I can hop on the computer. And again, it's very, it's like not set in stone. So I still have to be really flexible and really easy, like have a ton of grace with myself. If I don't get to writing today, or I don't get to answering emails today, before this, I would have like beaten myself up. 
you didn't answer your emails today or you didn't do writing today or you didn't post on Instagram today. Like you're such a loser or you're so lazy where I have to still have a lot of grace with myself. But it is this sort of now being a mom and having Carmela. There definitely is this this like little fire of like, I'm now her mom and I want to not make her proud, but I want to do things to leave behind for her. So there, it, it kind of gives a little bit more meaning to what I'm doing. And again, I'm like just entering it. So it's very still fresh, but it does give me a little bit more of like a, a more confidence to be like, just do it. Like de-gat, like YOLO, like this is be creative because now you have this, this daughter who is going to look up to you and you're going to be leaving a legacy, hopefully for her to also feel safe to be creative and not have that fear and to live whoever she wants to be. So I feel that I just have to be an example for her. And it was funny as I wrote this book before I was even pregnant and uh, I always thought I was going to have a boy. So there's a boy's name in here because I was so confident Brooke, that I was having a boy. I was like, I'm a boy mom. I'm for sure going to have a son. And so I put his name in the book. And so it's so funny that then I ended up having a daughter and she's, her name is not in the book. Um, but still, but it's like now it's kind of sweeter because the book does start out with like a mother daughter. And so it does now this book feels so much more special to me knowing that, okay, this is a message that I'm also going to want to teach her. It makes me more excited to promote it than even before she was born. Oh, so sweet. Yeah, Yeah. I was listening to, I don't know how to pronounce her name, so I'll butcher it, but Emma Grady, she helped found Skims and Good American, and she's on Shark Tank. She was on Jay Shetty's podcast, and she was talking about the same thing. Like, as soon as she had her kid, she kind of got this, I think it, will look different for everyone but she kind of got this fire under her butt to like work harder and some moms that spark will be like oh I want to be the best version of myself so that I can leave that for my kid to look up to for her it was like I need to go back into the office so I can like make sure I'm setting up the best foundation for my family so like everyone gets you know a different yes different expression of that. But I think, yeah, everything is reframed and everything is in a new, you know, shed a a new light on and new perspective because everything is for your kids. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was, and one of the reasons I was so excited to be pregnant before I got sick is I was like, oh, I can't wait to be pregnant because I feel that it's going to give me this fire under my butt to to really, you know, I had heard of like other women who like wrote books when they were pregnant because, you know, they had this like fire to put something out into the world for this child, like their unborn mm-hmm. child. And so I just had so many, so many expectations for pregnancy that I just didn't get. I was like, couldn't have felt less creative, like, you know, active creativity during my pregnancy. But now I'm starting to feel it. I'm like, oh, wow, this is that feeling that. I always dreamed about, but for me, it just, she had to be here for me to be able to kind of play with it. Yeah. So beautiful. Well, thank you for everything you shared. I took so much away from it, not just through my pregnancy and becoming a new mom myself, but career wise, listening to yourself, trusting. So thank you so much. 
Thank you, Brooke. Thank you for having me. That was such a fun conversation. <laughs> Could have talked for more hours. <laughs>